Hello, my name is Pastor Mark Sturmer with The Church International, and I would just like to say welcome to our podcast. I know God wants to use this to speak something very positive into your life. I know this will encourage you, help you grow in your walk with the Lord. And look, if you enjoy this, leave a review, make sure you share it with someone, and go ahead and subscribe so that you won't miss out on any of the messages that God wants to communicate to you. Well, look, God bless, get ready, lean in, and watch what the Lord is about to do. The title of our message today is Disappointed. And so disappointed, because we can be disappointed with many people, but man, it's bad when we become disappointed with God. And so I want to talk about that. I want to be honest with that. And to kind of start off today, before we kind of get into the just of what I want to talk about, I think we also need to right up front recognize something, and that sometimes our disappointment is, has nothing to do with God. It has to do with our own decisions. And we see this in the scripture in Proverbs 19 and 3. It says, people ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. And so you can ruin your life and then blame God. I mean, we saw that uh, right from the beginning in the book of Genesis when uh, Eve and Adam messed up in that order. They messed up. And so God comes and goes, you know, Adam, he went to Adam. He said, what gives? And Adam Instead of going, I made a, a you know, a, a, just a bad decision in my own life, he didn't say that. He said, no, it was you. It was you that gave me this woman. So many times we can make bad decisions in our own life and we're somehow blaming God for the results that are going on in our life. And here's a statement I want you to see. Blaming God for our wrong always exposes our faults in us, never in him. And so I wanted to just kind of, you know, throw that out there and, and, and give you to, to get that out of the way, because sometimes we got to connect the dots in some of our decisions and why we're so disappointed with life or results in our life and so forth. But I really want to zero in on something even more important today for your healing and for you to be able to move forward in your life. And that's when we are disappointed with God and it has nothing to do with our bad decisions. And so I want to share a story with you to give you some of my disappointments and just being real and honest with you guys. Uh, back in 2016, actually uh, it was in July of 2016, um, I was supposed to go to Alabama and we go to Alabama every year and we'd help Bubba to uh, work cattle for this uh, family and we're really reaching in for Jesus. We saw God do some amazing things as family. And every time we'd go, we ended up, the town wanted to get together and do like uh, a family type meeting where all the, the community comes together. And then I would preach. I'd, we'd go and I'd preach on Tuesdays and we would have a, you know, this gathering. It's so all scheduled uh, to preach on Tuesday. We we're cooking. It was a big deal. And so Monday, Bubba, you guys left on Monday, and I was supposed to leave a little bit later Monday, but, you know, something was going on inside of me that I knew something was not right. Something, something was amiss. Something, something bad was coming. And I just, 
I, I felt it on the inside, Mr. Terry, you go with us up there. I felt it on the inside, you know, something just isn't right. So I said, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to wait. I'm going to leave Tuesday. And so I told him, I said, hey, I can't go Monday. I'm going to wait. I'll leave Tuesday. Well, Tuesday rolls around. Jeffrey, and I, I'm still feeling, you go with us. I'm still feeling the same way that just something just, it's even worse. So I'm thinking Monday, by Tuesday, it'd be like a stomachache. It gets better, right? And so it did, and it got even worse. And I, I had this impending just feeling that something bad was going to take place. And so I knew they were going to be mad at me. I knew they were going to be upset with me. But I called and I said, hey, I hate to tell you this because I'm scheduled to preach Tuesday night. And I know this event and the cooking and everything that's going on, but I'm not going. And I knew some people were going to be mad, and they were kind of upset about that. But I knew just, man, something is happening that I can't explain. I can't, I can't wrap my mind around it. I, I don't know, but I know something is coming. And so it was so impending that I decided that I would pray and fast on Wednesday. So I, I woke up Wednesday, and I was fasting, not eating, and just praying to God. I actually spent extra time praying to God. I came into office, and I was in the back, in my office back here, and I was really just crying out, praying to God. And I was like, God, I, I know something is happening. What is it, Lord? What is it? And I, I just opened up the scriptures, and the, the scripture that God gave me was a scripture that someone was going to die. And the person that was going to die, this is the meaning I got from it. The person that was going to die was going to miss out on a lot of things that God was going to do. And I was just like, okay, okay, who's going to die? So I'm, I'm praying, who's going to, I actually said, God, is it me? I'm thinking, that's why you didn't want to get to Alabama? I was going to get in a wreck and die or, you know, I'm trying to figure this out. Is it me, God? And I'm praying, I'm fasting, I'm believing, I'm praying for God's protection. I'm praying that God avert it. I mean, I'm just praying my, I mean, just praying my rear end off on this. And then all of a sudden, you know, it was after lunch, I was doing a counseling session and I was back there and I was counseling with someone and uh, Pastor Levi, where's Pastor Levi at? He's in the room. Pastor Levi, you open the door during my counseling and I could tell the look on his face was, was just something wasn't right. And he said, I need, to, I need to talk to you. And, uh, and so I went in the green room, and he was crying, handed me the phone, and it was Cindy, and she said, I got to tell you something, your dad just took his life. Your dad just took his life. And uh, how do you know that's a blow? So... The thing is, I knew something was coming. And, and I was praying hard, even fasting, that it would be averted. Now, because I had that sense that something was coming, when it did come, it didn't, it didn't knock me off my feet because I was almost like a punch. If you know it's coming, you brace yourself. I was already in the bracing position and so it didn't knock me off feet and I was able to, you know, go and, and be there for my family and do everything I needed to do because God has, had given me, you know, the forewarning. But on the other side of that, he showed me it was coming. I prayed, I fasted, I asked, and it still happened. It still happened. 
Let me tell you something. I was disappointed. I was disappointed. Any, any of you ever prayed for something and believed for something and, you know, begged and cried out only to be disappointed and it didn't happen for you? Come on, am I, let's be real. Let's be honest in the room. Come on, raise your hand. Because your hand's not raised, obviously you don't pray. Because if you pray, you have been disappointed with some things you have begged God for that he did not do. I remember when I ran for Senate. You know, we knew, I mean, my wife, my leadership, I mean, we just knew that's what we were supposed to do. I mean, I've heard God many times in my life, and I just knew that was what we were supposed to do. And everyone around me felt it was what we were supposed to do, raised all this money, and I mean, we ran for office, and man, guess what? When normally, you know, a lot of people think, well, God tells me to do something, that means, ooh, it's going to have this outcome. A lot of times, you don't have the outcome you think you're going to have. There's a lot of prophets that were sent that didn't last long. I mean, think about James. James spent three and a half years training under Jesus only to have a few days into the new church to have his head cut off. You think he expected that? You don't think that was disappointing to his family? You don't think his family said, whoa, wait a minute. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And then after the Senate race, man, I went into depression because I messed up myself uh, chemically in my body. And then that threw me into another thing called uh, anxiety. And I went into acute anxiety for the, honestly, without a doubt, even with all the other things going on in my life, I got to say, this was probably the worst. A year and a half of acute anxiety. And it was, it was some of the most horrible walking through this I've ever had to deal with. And... They have some other things that are close seconds, but it was, it was bad, all right? And so here I am. I've done what God told me to do, but I, what do I get for it? I, all my money gone, let everybody down. Man, now I got depression. Now I got anxiety. That's what you get for it. How do you know? I'm disappointed. Would you be disappointed? Be disappointed, disappointed with God. Now, now let's be for real. We get disappointed Because we know that, man, the scripture tells us that we're never going to be disappointed. Then why is it do I get disappointed? Because when, it it actually came to me last week when I was praying. It was during our prayer time. And it was in the uh, first service. And I was praying about believing for your prayer. And I actually said something. I said, come on, you pray and you're never going to be disappointed. And the Lord pricked my spirit and said, there are many people that have been disappointed with their prayer to me. And I, I felt it at the time. And I, if you'd have been in the service, you'd have felt me switch. And I, and I actually switched in my verbiage of how, you know, God, sometimes it doesn't come out the way we feel, but it's all God. And I, and I, I tried to fix it. Can I get an amen? Because I felt the twitch in my spirit. And so I tried to fix it a little bit. And so, but that's what spurred in me. And the Lord said, there's a lot of people disappointed with me. And he said, even you. And I think we're honest. We'd say yes. Now this flies in the face of the scripture. Because in Romans 10, 11, 
And the context of the scripture is someone getting saved. Someone confessing with their mouth, believing in their heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, getting saved. And it says, for the scripture encourages us with these words. So we're to be encouraged. Man, give your life to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus and you will never be disappointed. See, that's what it says. Everyone who believes in him will never be disappointed. And here we are. Here I am. I am disappointed. So what gives? Come on, is anyone feeling me? Are we going to be honest or are we going to be fake? You know, I am, I'm disappointed. I've been disappointed. Who's been disappointed with God? Raise your hand. Have you been disappointed? So have I. With the Lord, so I wrote in Scripture, I say, God says I would not be disappointed, but I have been disappointed. And he said, I never promised you that you would not go through things. I, I never said that you would not have to deal with major issues that would come up or attacks from the enemy or loss in your life. I, I, I never once have told you that. Matter of fact, I've told you quite the opposite to embrace yourself for sufferings. And so what I did tell you is that when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that I would not abandon you. That I would be right there with you. And I will, he didn't say he would fix it. He said I would comfort you in it. Wow. Wow. See, we always want him to fix it, to change it. He said, no, I will comfort you in it. But you're going to have to be in it. But I will comfort you. I will be there. I will not forsake you. And so, you know, I've always said this. When people would go through some horrific things, I would always say, and I think you, you've probably done the same thing, maybe you like me, where I, I look at him and I go, oh, God, man, you know, I would hate to have to go through that without God. Who said that before? You know, I'd hate to have to deal with that and not have God. And this is really what this scripture is talking about, because people don't deal with it well. They end up, you know... <laughs> Getting addicted to something or numbing it or busying themselves and burying it only to have it wreck their life in relationships and they don't even realize what's going on because they had no one to go to. They had no one to walk with them through that valley of death. And God says, but you do. You, you have me. And so I had to come to say, okay, I get it. I get it. I will never be disappointed in becoming a Christian because I know that I know that you are with me no matter what valley I have to cross, no matter what storm I have to be in, no matter how much death I got to deal with, how many viruses I got to fight. I know that you are with me. Come on, church. I know that you are with me. I know. But then you got to go to another scripture. Psalms 22 and 5, every, it says every time, and it's talking about the nation of Israel, it says every time they cried out to you, God, you, capital Y, God, every time they cried out to you in their despair, you were faithful to deliver them and you did not, you did not disappoint them. The whole thing here, too, is you got to realize, they're talking about a nation. 
They're not talking about an individual. You know how many individuals got disappointed during the time of waiting? You know how many, many people never saw the deliverance, never saw the answer? They were disappointed. But they just, they didn't see it, but it didn't mean God wasn't faithful. Kind of reminds me, I didn't tell this last service because you're my favorite service. Come on, somebody. Uh, the lady that used to live next door did own this property, right? I ain't told this a long time. She used to own this property, her and her husband. Uh, she, had a, she felt like God told her that it's supposed to be a church on this property. This is a field. And it's supposed to be a, a church here. Husband didn't believe, didn't say, no, nah, I don't think so. So closed that off. At one point, he's like, she kept bugging him. She's like, okay, look, they can do like a tent revival. And so they put a tent up and they did like a revival. That was it. Well, they sold the land anyway. We get the land and, and here is the church. But she was not alive to see it. You see, in her mind, she was disappointed. But in God's mind, he heard it and he was going to answer, but he was going to answer in his timing. Come on, can I get an amen? And then, and then other times, we are disappointed when we don't understand the totality of who God is and what he really said. Because we say, in the name of Jesus, I pray in the name of Jesus, then it has to be. But we fail to read in 1 John, the same writer that wrote that, that if you pay, pray according to his will, if you pray according to his will, we know we have what we ask for. How I many you know, we don't always pray according to God's will. But there are many times we ask for things that he's not going to give you. Come on, let's be real. How many people have we asked for God to heal that never got healed? And then we just say, oh, it was the ultimate healing. He went to heaven. And, and yes, that's true. But we, but we hide our disappointment. We hide our disappointment because, and then we're in this faith crisis. And then, to be honest with you, uh, you can begin to distrust God. I mean, if someone lets you down, if you feel like they let you down enough, you start not wanting to trust them. And so we say we have faith, but we don't walk with any trust because we're harboring disappointment because God did not come through for us when we were in our despair. We cried out for our marriage. We cried out for that kid to be saved. We cried out for that person to be healed. We cried out for God to move, and he didn't move. Then we harbor disappointment. Come on, am I real? Are we talking about real life here? God's not afraid of real life. But he said, my ways are not like your ways, son. And my thoughts are not like your thoughts. Guys, can I tell you something? There are still things in my life that happen that I totally, absolutely do not understand why they happen. But it's okay. Because God is so sovereign. You see, God's got, he said, you got to just let me be sovereign. See, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they prayed, and they were delivered. I say, really, we need to have that kind of faith. Because it wasn't a faith that needed the results. It was a faith that, that let God be sovereign. Because they said, we know God can deliver us. But watch this. Even if he doesn't, he's still God. Amen. See, that's sovereignty. Because you know how many Hebrew children did not get delivered? What about their parents who were killed 
when they, they took over Jerusalem and took them and killed their parents? What about the Christians that were eaten by lions? What about right now in the Middle East where a parents watching their kid be shoved on a stake and killed and saying, you deny Jesus, I'm going to kill this kid. Oh, please, God, please, God, they shoved the kid on a stake anyway. Come on, let's get real. You want to quit patty-footing around with Christianity? You can be disappointed. What about this scripture? Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for the what? To those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, when we look at that, you say, okay, we equate that to my good. So, okay, everything should work out for my good. I don't know about you, there have been many times that things did not work out for my good. Anyone else in here? All right, so what, what gives? What gives is he's not talking about our good, he's talking about his good. See, we think, you know, God, you need to do things for my name's sake. I said, no, I do things for my name's sake. I guide you in paths of righteousness, not for you, but for me. He even told Israel, he said, I'm delivering you and I'm doing this not because of you, but because of me, for my name's sake. You see, it's about the good of the kingdom, not just the good of you, not just the good of me. I mean, think about it. It's the very essence of what Christianity is. Jesus had to suffer so that we can get the good. Jesus had to, be, had to die so that his kingdom could benefit. Do we understand this? Uh, one of my favorite characters in the Bible is Lazarus, not the one that was raised from the dead, but the one that died. The one that was at the rich man's gate. Watch this, blow your mind. Boo. Saw that? Boo. Next time someone tells you something, you go, boo. All right, let me blow your mind. All right, he got sores. He's begging for food. Yet, in the scripture, it says, I've never seen, and we quote it, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or begging for bread. I could take you in places around the world today where the righteous are forsaken and they are begging for bread. Here's Lazarus forsaken, seemingly, begging for bread. Just Jesus, what did he say? Why have you forsaken me? Here's Lazarus begging for bread, sores, dogs licking on him. Why? Why? For God's good. What was his good? There was a knucklehead rich man that God was trying to reach. And he was using Lazarus' suffering to reach that rich man. You see, it's not always for our good. Many times we'll suffer so others will get good. That is the gospel. Like Miss Mert, Ken and Mert, you know, Mr. Ken, man, golly, I saw him, I went visiting Friday. He is doing amazing. Like he is up back like he was five, six years ago. I was just wowed. I was like, wow, they told him he was supposed to be dead years ago. And every time you go to the doctor, you're going to die. He's not. He's still living, right? He's rolling. And I know they were watching. I asked Ms. Mert if I could share this and Ken, and they said yes. And so Mert got sick, went to the hospital. And she went in the hospital not, not disappointed or not worried. She went in the hospital, and she started looking, okay, I'm here, so who am I supposed to touch? 
And she said, I ministered to 32 people. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. I ministered to 32. She understands the gospel. She understands what this is really all about. It's amazing when we start thinking about these things. And, and I mean, even look, 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 I'll I just take a second. Even with the Senate race, all right? You go back with the Senate race. At the time, it made no sense. At the time, it, it threw me to a, in a tale of some of the worst times in my life. And, but in it, because I ran, Tony Perkins, remember Pastor Dino, Gene Mills, and myself, and he said, man, God showed me something. Because you ran, you understand things. We want y'all to travel around the state, and we want y'all to inform churches and go after people that are godly to run for office. At the time, our state was known as the most liberal state in the union. And Brian, you even came along. You know what? Am I telling the truth, Vine? Brian even came along with me. And so we went out, and in six years, was it six years? In six years, we turned from being the most liberal state in the union because of the travel and talking and prayer and everything going on, our, our state flipped. Our state today is the most conservative, pro-life state in the union. Can I get a, give the Lord a hand clap? We didn't know, Brian, at the time that the coalition within Katrina would hit. And because we had a coalition already together, that we would be able to serve the whole state in a way that blew all their mind because the church was already connected all over the state. And we're feeding 11,000 people a day, housing people everywhere, just touching the state and being here for our state. You see, I didn't know that in my depression. I didn't know that in my anxiety. I didn't know all that, but it was for God's good. It was for God's good. You know, what causes our disappointment with the Lord is when we've done everything we're supposed to do, but the results are not what we expected. Think about it. That's what causes our disappointment. Wait a minute. I did everything you said. Why do, why do I have these results? It almost reminds me of the person that goes, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to give to God. I'm going to, you know, keep myself holy. You know, I'm going to press into the Lord. And, and you're looking for certain results out of that. Well, when you do it long enough, and you get to the place where you're disappointed because you don't see the result that you thought you would see. Come on, someone. Then the person goes, well, I ain't doing that no more. I'm not pressing it anymore. You're not, you're not gonna scratch my back. I'm not gonna scratch yours, God. You see, but all it did was reveal to us our real heart that we were never loyal to God to begin with. It was all about manipulating God. It was all about, you know, just rubbing, rubbing the, the genie trying to come out to do what we want him to do, which makes us God, not him. Come on, somebody. Let's be real and let's be honest about this. As a matter of fact, it's, it's, it's actually in our disappointment where we see our true heart for God. As a matter of fact, we don't even know if we're loyal until we disagree. A lot of people, oh, I'm loyal, I'm this. 
Okay, we'll see when it's bad. We'll see when you disagree. By the way, this is for relationships too. With each other, not just with God. You see, real loyalty, you don't even know until you're challenged. And so when we're challenged and we're disappointed because we didn't get the results we thought we should have, then will we still remain loyal to God? I've seen so many people not be. Oh, and then we put time limits on God. You either do it by this time or I'm out. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. Do you want to be free? Okay, really, do you want to be free? The statement I'm about to make to you, I got to be honest, I'm not always there. But I want to be there. I want to be there. And this is the statement. It's when we put expectations on God, it's when we release the expectations, we are free to enjoy things for what they are instead of what they think, what we think they should be. Let me, let me say that again. It's when we release expectations, we are free to enjoy things for what they are instead of what we think they should be. See, our problem is, is when we put expectations on God, we put expectations on each other. And then what happens is you walk in a lot of disappointment instead of really enjoying what is. It works in marriage and it works with God. Listen, release those expectations and just be free to enjoy what's going on right at the moment. Amen? And you will walk free. You will walk free. I, I, I want to encourage you with this. I, 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 want you to, I want you to look at that for a moment and realize this. Now, now, look, this does not mean that we can't be raw and honest with God. Because of our disappointment with God. It doesn't mean we can't be raw and honest. You know, I've had so many people, so many, when I go to talk to them about the Lord, are they talking to me? And I don't even ask, they just tell me. And, and they'll say, wow, I need you to know something, Pastor. I'm mad at God. I'm upset with God. And, and I look at them and I say, well, you need to understand something. That God's big enough to handle your anger. He's big enough to handle your rawness, your honesty. And that's what I want to tell you guys. God is big enough to handle our honesty. Even our anger to life and our anger to him he is big enough to handle that you can you can be honest with the lord i mean look at the psalms and david writes and the other psalmist that wrote man they were real they were raw they were honest i mean even job as amazing as he was had moments where he was like whoa i mean the prophets had moments where they're like hey man what's up here i mean look jeremiah Jeremiah even, he said, man, I'm eating gravel down here. I mean, they were honest. They were real. How long were you going to let us go through this? Where are you? You've abandoned us. Where are you? They're honest with God. And so God 
You can be raw and you can be honest. You just have to learn to be respectful. And what do I mean by that? I mean that you got to realize He is God. So it's when we come to Him in our honesty, humility, and our brokenness that God can heal us and that He can encourage us. The more we harbor and the more we're not willing to admit our disappointment, the things in our life, the outcomes we thought would be different, if, we, if we're not honest with them, God, this is why God's bringing His message. He said, if you're not honest with that, that's going to affect your trust in me. That's going to affect your walk with me. You got to be honest. You got to be real so you can let it go. Because there are things in your life, like I said, that you will never understand. But you know what? It's okay because God is sovereign. And at the end of the day, I don't have to understand it all. I just got to keep my eyes on Jesus. You know, Jeremiah, when he said, I ate gravel, he said, man, I'm eating gravel down here. Later on in the chapter, he brought it around and he said, yet my hope is still in God. Even David in the Psalms, you'd read, man, where are you? You abandoned me. What is this going on? How long? And then he would go, my hope is in my God. My faith is in my God. And so God wants your honesty so that you can release it because if you hold it, it's going to hold you back. It's going to hold you back from everything that God really wants to do in your life. So it boils down to this. The promise of God to us is that we will not have to do life alone. If you want to hang your hat on something, hang it on that. If you walk with that philosophy, that belief, that doctrine, then you won't get your your balloon popped. You'll be able to enjoy the now and survive the suffering because you'll know that it truly is better to go through something with God than without God. You'll submit your will to God's will and that ain't easy. Look, not even Jesus wanted to go to the cross. He said, If there's another way, I'd like to find it. And he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will. And look, we would be okay with God winning even when we looks like we lose. Oh, come on, somebody. It's interesting when it says all things work to the good. If you look at the scripture right above it, it says when we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit would help us because he knows exactly the will of God. And the will of God is not always our will. The outcome of God is not always the outcome we thought it would be, but that's okay. But we've got to confess that. We, we, it, guys, I, I'm just here to tell you there's so much disappointment we can be holding on to. And like I said, if you were disappointed in me, you know, on something, maybe on something else, maybe on something else, you get to a place where you believe in me, but you don't trust me. And that's exactly what we do, God. You can even love me, and, but not want to trust. That's exactly what we do, God. If we're holding on to these disappointments, we've got to let God be sovereign. And we've got to give it to the Lord. I really, I really want to get to a place where I have the maturity 
that Job had. Job was a man, he was blameless. Let me, let me set this up for a second. Job was blessed, like really blessed. He was, he had land, he had influence, he had kids, he had servants. I mean, he had a relationship with God. I mean, he was on the top of the mountain. And something happened. He got knocked off the mountain. I'll tell you what happened. All of a sudden, Job's enjoying life. Everything's going great. And a tornado comes through. And a tornado destroys the house where all his kids were in. Dead. Killed all his kids at one time. Then all of a sudden, some enemy come down and they take all his animals and kill all his servants. Then a fire broke out, destroyed all of his animals and all his servants on this side. He had a mass amount of wealth and servants and family. All of it taken away just like that. It says in the scripture, the man came up and told him about his kids. And another man came up, told him about this. Another man came up, told him. I mean, it's bad enough to get one bad phone call. Can you imagine getting phone call after phone call after phone call, one after another, a major catastrophic loss? My God. And look, Job felt it. He knew something was coming. If you read the scriptures, he started really praying for his kids because he felt, man, something was going to happen to these kids. And he started crying out to God, yet God took them and allowed a tornado. It wasn't even someone else. It's a tornado to take out his family. You don't think he was a little disappointed? But I want you to see what he did. And I just hope that I can get to this place. In Job 1, 20 and 22, it said, then Job got up. Let me tell you, you get four or five phone calls in a row. It will knock you down. But Job got up. Can I tell you something? Church, I don't care what you've had to go through. Didn't you get back up? And if you're going through it right now, you're going to get back up. But I want you to see what he did. He tore his robe and he shaved his head. We miss this in in Christianity. In other words, he was honest about how he felt. He He was mad. He was disappointed. And he tore his robe and he shaved his head. So you know what that tells me? He didn't care what anyone else thought. We're so, we're worried about what this one thinks, what that one thinks. He's like, no, man, this is bad. I'm, I'm hurt. This is, this is bad. This is horrible. And he let his emotions out. But I want you to see what he did with them. See, we, I've let my emotions out and shook my fist at God. He let his emotions out by bowing to the ground and worshiping. Can I tell you, that's the better method. It's when you can't understand, you don't know why, you disappointed dog get out, the answer is getting on your face and crying out to God and worshiping Him. Now watch this. He said, naked I have come from my mother's womb and naked I shall return there. In another scripture, he actually says, because his wife's upset, his wife knew that he was concerned about his kids. Maybe that's why she was like so mad because you prayed and God didn't answer you. You you were praying and God didn't hear it. So I I cursed God. Why don't you curse God? But he didn't. He said, woman, 
Should I accept good from God and not also accept the bad that comes with it? And watch this. He said, blessed be the name of the Lord. Despite all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. See, a lot of people would have been, okay, man, because he was blameless. He was blameless. He was doing everything right. I've heard some pastors <laughs> try to blame Job of why this happened. I'm like, okay, welcome. You just entered into the four friends. All right, no, he was blameless. He could have said, okay, God, I, I sacrificed, I did all this. You read later, man, he was serving, he was giving, he was doing everything he's supposed to do. And you did this, I'm not serving you anymore. I'm gonna go do what I wanna do. I'm gonna let my flesh do what my flesh wants to do. And that's what many people do. I've watched them through the years. They don't get their desired result, so they go and live in a sinful way. Joseph could have did that. He looked like he was abandoned in a pit, abandoned in slavery, abandoned in jail, yet he does not sleep with his boss's wife. You know why? Because he still held to the righteousness of God. And he said, nor did he blame God. See, even when they couldn't see it, they didn't blame God. This is the maturity level. I would like to get to. I don't think I'm there yet, but I'd like to get there. Anybody else? Come on, stand your feet, everybody in here. Stand your feet. Bring up the uh, worship for me, Roy, if you don't mind. Listen to me. Listen to me, church. Don't, don't get distracted right now. I want you to open up your spirit. Just open up your hands. And open up your spirit. This is what the Lord told me to tell you. I know you're disappointed in me. And I want to heal you. I want to help you with that. But for me to help you with that, you're going to have to lay it at my feet. And right here today, in this moment, The Lord says, bring me your disappointment and I will touch you. Guys, I'm going to ask something. There are many disappointments in this room. Jesus said, I want you to lay them at the cross. I want you to lay them at the feet of Jesus. I want you to get out of your seat right now. Come on, move out of your seat right now and get down to this altar. Come on, you cannot continue to go forward. Get out of your seat and come down to this altar. Come on, move. You know you have disappointment in your life. If you do not get out of your seat, you, it's going to destroy you. You have got to move right now, and you got to get this down to the altar, and you got to give it to God. Come on, get out of your seat. There are some that aren't moving that you need to move right now. You need to move out of your seat and get down here and let God heal you. Let God take care of these disappointments. Let God minister to you. Let God love on you. Let God touch you. And come on, I want you to linger. I want you to linger. I want you to tell him, come on, this is the time to be honest. Tell him, tell him. He can handle, he can handle your anger. He can handle your disappointment. Tell him right now and allow God to touch you. Come on, linger at this altar. Let God touch you. Come on, church. Lift your hands up there, church. Let's let the presence of Jesus bring healing in this room. Come on, pray, pray, press in.
on, let it out. Let it out. This is the time. Let it out. But you have never felt me yet. For change to come, knowing the battles won. For you have never failed me yet. Oh, the promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Faithfulness, I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed me yet. Oh, 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 oh. I know the night won't your word will come to pass my heart will sing your praise again oh jesus you're still enough keep me within your My heart will sing your praise again. Oh, your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed me. mountain 
And I believe, oh, I believe I'm going to see you do it for me, Jesus. And I believe I'll see you do it again. Oh, I'm going to see you move for me, God. Doesn't matter how dark you feel. I know you can move on my behalf, God. promise still stands great is your faithfulness faithfulness oh i'm still in your head come on we say my confidence you never fail sing it again your promise still stands great is your faithfulness I'm still in your hands. This is my comfort. You never fail. I see you move. You move the mountain. And I believe. Come on, church, we say, I see you do it again. You made a way. And there was no way. And I believe I see you do it again. I see you move, you move the mountains. And I believe, oh, I believe it. I'm gonna see you do it. You made a way. There was no way. And I believe I'll see you do it again. Come on, can we give Jesus a hand clap in this place? Yes, God. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap. Yes, Jesus. You know, church, church, there's some deep healing taking place here. I know we went a few minutes over, but let me tell you something. It is worth it for the healing that is taking place. Deep healing in people's lives. God wants you to be able to trust Him. The only way you can do that is you got to release your disappointment. You got to release it. And you will walk in the freedom that you seek.